Thank you, Brother Grant. In the midst of all that our brother was saying, I'm sure you heard him say that last night there was some real good news. It came to us from the mountains of East Tennessee. That's Emily Tidwell standing next to Will Harrison. And last night, about midnight or so, she put on Christ in baptism for the forgiveness of her sins. And we are so thrilled with that great moment in her life, her spiritual birthday, and just appreciate the decision that her mother made several months ago to come to Tuscumbia in a sense to trust us with helping, supplementing what she does in the home to raise a godly young lady for our Lord. And uh, Crystal, you're doing a great job with her. And uh, this decision that your daughter has made is fruit of your, your labors, your prayers, maybe even some tears every now and then. But uh, we're all just celebrating with you and celebrating with our father and celebrating with, with Emily. I have been privileged to be in the mountains of East Tennessee uh, for some of the events surrounding Challenge Youth Conference. And it has been very uplifting. Uh, not, I mean, it's been uplifting to be at the actual event of CYC, but for me personally, it's been more beneficial just to be around my brothers and sisters in Christ that are part of the Tuscumbia Forever family. They're just good people. They're good people. They're no drama. Now, that may change with one little incident, of course, but no drama. You know, they, they love the Lord. They love each other. All total, we probably have about 45 or so up there, which is pretty remarkable during pandemic time. And we miss them while they're away up there. But uh, they're getting their spiritual batteries recharged, and they're going to come back here somewhat exhausted, <laughs> I'm sure. But, uh, but they'll be renewed in spirit, and that is a good thing. Listening to Grant share the details that he did. You know, we, we can't help but be uh, humble, grateful to God for the, the good news, for the families that have come our way. But also we understand, don't we, that I guess since maybe the first century, the Lord's church has never been challenged as it has been challenged uh, since about this time last year, March of last year, things begin to, to change and, uh, you know, some unusual things happen. Some terrible things have happened to, to some families as well. Uh, and I'm thankful for technology that has helped us to overcome or struggle through some of these challenges. I'm thankful that many people can join with us today online. I'm thankful that many of you can be with us in pew today. I'm, um, I'm a man with, with many faults, I'm sure. I don't say that to let you know that. I just say that to let you know that I know that. And, and one of them is sometimes I'm overly concerned. You might even say I worry. I have extra anxiety. And, and one of the things that I have struggled with since, uh, since this pandemic began and we needed to cease assembling for a while is the fact that there are some people that, that we just haven't had any meaningful interaction with for almost a year. And, and some now, I'm not talking about those who have been engaged with us online, all that. I'm, I'm talking about some folks that 
as best we can tell, have just kind of left the grid. And as a congregation goes, compared to other congregations, I think our numbers are, are maybe better than some others. And we're thankful, but that's not the goal. The goal is not to lose one sheep. And so that's kind of a burden for us, our hearts, right? We want to... We want to be vigilant because now things are opening back up. Vaccines are getting into arms. Uh, herd immunity is happening. Uh, the cases are declining. That does not change the fact that a lot of people lost good and precious people to them. Lost them not in the sense they don't know where they are now because we know they're in heaven, but lost as a daily presence in our lives, in our hearts. But um, as bad as it is to lose uh, a physical life, it is a far worse thing, according to our Savior, to lose an eternal soul. And that's why Jesus came. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And we as a church, we're blessed with the opportunity to continue in that legacy of our Lord. Um, I, I can't think of a time when the Lord's church needs shepherding, needs godly shepherding, needs great men to lead us. can't think of a time when that need has been more real than it is right now. And that's why it's so important that we pray daily for these men who are shepherding us. Uh, I love them. I love their wives. They have had uh, some challenging times, some challenging decisions that they've needed, needed to make. And I'm, I'm so grateful that they've been receiving our full support as a church. Have we agreed with everything that they have said since last March, everything they have decided? <laughs> I mean, that's almost like a trick question. That's, that's an impossibility. There are too many of us and too few of them, and they're too human and we're too human. And we're never going to see eye to eye, but we can be heart to heart. We can, we can be patient. We can be prayerful. We can be supportive. We can be as best we can understand. Just take, for example, the decision to get back to having Bible classes. Where are these classes going to be? What time? What are we going to do with the other services? And a lot of prayer, a lot of thought, a lot of discussion, a lot of back and forth goes into just, and that's just one decision. That's just one decision, that, uh, and a litany of decisions that have needed to be made. And I typically don't prefer thinking of elders as decision makers. I, I like to think as, you know, the Lord's already made all the decisions, and we just kind of fall in and do what he said. But during this pandemic, the uniqueness of it has put elderships all around the world in the unenviable position of having to make decisions that maybe we didn't get a whole lot of training in how to make. There, there's no class yet on eldering, shepherding during a pandemic. Right? And, and you can think about your own occupation, your life situation. It's uncharted territory for everybody. And so we would understand then that that's the way it is for shepherds. So that's why it's so important, uh, several things. One, that we take this next phase of the growth of our church. And we've got some great families that have come our way and, and more on the way. And I'm grateful to God for that. I, I'm confident on the other side of this, whenever that comes, we'll numerically be stronger. 
I just want us to all be spiritually stronger as well. So we got some work to do to get there. But because of this challenge, because we're coming out now, and there's a pressing need for us to take seriously, prayerfully, the responsibility we have to look about us and, and, and to help us to add to the number of those who take on the responsibility of shepherding this church. But also, it is important that we each do what we can do to be a type of shepherd. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd tries to guide people. A shepherd tries to protect people, tries to feed people. We, uh, a human shepherd to people does what a, a literal shepherd to sheep tries to do for those sheep. And yes, it is the, 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 the noble responsibility of, of, of the shepherds, the elders, the bishops, the overseers, the pastors of the church. To, I mean, God especially wants them to watch for souls. But that's also my privilege. That's, your, that's our responsibility. Um, when Jesus told the, the story of the uh, fellow that was in the ditch, Good Samaritan came along, right? And then at the end of that, what was the application? That that is something for all of us to do. That that wherever there is a person in a ditch in a bad situation, that's our neighbor that that we go to. We have special responsibility. Uh, it it kind of rings hollow if I just call up the elders and say, "Brother, so and so struggling. Can y'all go do something about that?" And I'm not saying not to make that call. That's important. But it's reasonable to wonder what should I do in addition to make a phone call? What, what, what can I do to lead? What can I do to guide? What can I do to protect? What can I do to nurture? What can I do to feed? And everybody here is uniquely equipped to do that. This is a church that is filled with leaders. Some of them are elders. Many are not. Many are widows. Many are widowers. Many are some of the youngest among us. Some of the oldest among us. I mean, we, we have, thankfully, the broad spectrum here. We got a lot of light bulbs, and we got a lot of headlights rather than taillights. We got people that are, that are showing us the way. In the Sermon on the Mount, remember, Jesus challenged us to be salt, to be light. Those are positions of leadership. Those are positions of dynamic influence. And so these are the times. History's going to judge us, isn't it? God's going to judge us. What did we do during this time? What did we do to get out of this time? What did we do to help others survive this time? See, one of the, one of the challenges of pandemic is it, it causes us to kind of close up our circle and kind of understandably to some degree just kind of focus on well let's keep let's keep mama happy and healthy and daddy happy and healthy and the kids happy and healthy and everybody else going to have to just kind of fend for themselves for a little while and we can kind of get in that mindset and and before long you know that that just uh, a temporary thing becomes a, a more permanent condition it becomes a becomes a habit uh, and, and think about those that that have have not maybe worshiped either online or in pew since march Think about what has transpired with, with their relationship with the Lord, with their, their spirit. A lot of you play sports or have played sports. Can, can you just lay off from basketball for a year and just get right back out on the court and start making free throws? Can you, can you skip baseball, just knock off baseball for a year and get back out there and hit a curveball just like that, like you never stopped? And so how can we reasonably expect someone to kind of just shut down worshiping either in pew online and then we're going to flip a switch and we're going to come out of this and we're going to be more spiritual, more faithful, more dynamic in our love for the Lord and the church than ever before. I mean, that's just not realistic. 
What, what happens to muscles? What happens to an arm when it's in a cast for a few weeks? I mean, th th those muscles start to atrophy. Uh, when you take the cast off, I mean, the, that arm protest movement, it hurts. Some of you have been there. We, we've all dealt with that on some level. Spiritually, isn't it the case that, that if, we, if we just kind of stop, it, it, it's hard to get moving again? It's so much easier. I learned this in school, didn't you? To an object in motion to keep that object in motion. But if an object is not in motion, come on, move, go, do something. I'm kind of comfortable not doing something. So, lead. Lead. Uh, be, be passionate. Be, be concerned. Yes, uh, Noah's situation, you know, him, his wife, three sons, their wife. That's where it starts. Judea, Samaria, Galilee, you know, the uttermost parts of the earth. We eventually, those ripples get everywhere. And so we need to start. And it's not selfish to focus on our closest neighbors. Or, but we've got other neighbors. And so as we're coming out, lead us. Lead us. Be, be one of the shepherds. Be one of the Christians that goes after the, the one who, who may be disconnected presently from the 99. That, that, that's the, the greatest work we can do. That's what Jesus did. Remember, he came to seek and save that which was lost. If he doesn't come and do that, I'm lost, you're lost, we're all lost. But now, you know, the, the, the building was destroyed. We were saved by Jesus. We crawled out. We've got ten fingers, ten toes. We're pretty healthy. Now, the, those that have been rescued, we want to be rescuers. We want to say, hey, y'all, come on. You can come back. Things can be like they were before. They can be better than they were before. And, and we don't, thankfully, I, I've never seen us as a congregation that is... That is, that is so dependent on just a few people, just a few elders, a few, you know, this family, that family, and as they go, we all, we are overloaded. Our cup overflows with people who love the Lord, with people who love the Lord's family. And this is the, the, the worst of all times for us to become complacent in, in the good that is happening because it just, just, a, just a few moments of, of malaise, neglect, rut living can get us back to a place that, that we don't need to be. Uh, next Sunday, you're going to be asked to, uh, if you know of some people that you feel comfortable submitting as names to be considered as elders for this church, you're going to be asked to, to pass along those names to, to, the, to the elders. And hopefully that, that process will lead us to uh, giving our present elders some help. Uh, they, they've done as well or better than could ever be expected to do, but they obviously need some help. And so let's do what we can do to, to bolster them, to, to enlarge, enlarge their numbers. Uh, you agree with this statement, a great leader knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. Knows the way, goes the way, shows the way. That's you, isn't it? I mean, we, we know where we're going. We're, we're trying to help others get there. We're, we're, we're not trying to encourage others to take a path that we're unwilling to take. I mean, we're, we're having as best we can a faith that's worth imitating. That's what leaders do. One characteristic separates good leaders from great leaders is not just loving God, 
obeying command number one, but obeying command number two, to love the people that God has made. You know, a, a great shepherd, servant, leader is going to be in the image, the example, the footsteps of Jesus Christ as, as shepherd, right? And one thing we know about Jesus is he loved the sheep. He loved being around the sheep. You remember that we looked last week at 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2, about, and two times the phrase came up about these bishops, these elders, that they would be among the sheep, among the flock, right? This, and then if you drop on down to verse 4 and 5 of that, you see that the great shepherd is highlighted there. He is the, the role model for those of us who'd be leaders. We want, to, we want to have the same attitude towards the sheep, towards the flock that Jesus had. Jesus has. And, and, and you know, it's a mutual appreciation society, isn't it? Where, where the elders value us and we value them. And it helps them to, to serve, to, to shepherd us with, with joy. We, we emphasized briefly last week, Hebrews 13, 17, where, where you and I have a privilege of living our lives in such a way as it makes it easier for the, the shepherd leaders, the servant leaders among us to do what they do with joy. And when we do what we do with joy, we do it more effectively. If you don't enjoy your job, it's, it's a tough job. But if you enjoy your job, it, it helps you to, to perform at a higher level. And so shepherding, that'd be the same way. So what we want to do, right, as, as sheep who love our shepherds, and love the great shepherd especially, we want, to, we want to be sources of encouragement. We want to be sources of, of wisdom for them, calm and maturity, even or especially when uh, a decision is made that eh, just doesn't make a lot of sense. But, but what I've learned over a few years of living and, and interacting with elders is a lot of times they might make a decision. I think I would have never made that decision. But when I have access to all the information they have, yeah, that's exactly the decision I'd have made. And so, I mean, that's just reasonable, isn't it? That, that we be patient with the shepherd as we want the shepherds to be patient with us. But thinking about Jesus and Brent earlier when we were partaking of the Lord's Supper, he was talking to us about love and he referenced John chapter 10, verse 11, where, where Jesus is, is telling us that he is the good shepherd. And then he defines what a good shepherd does. He said the good shepherd who, who gives his life for his sheep. And, and remember the motive for that. No greater love has a man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Back in, the, in Palestine area in the days of Jesus, it was not that unheard of for a shepherd to die fending off vicious animals from the flock. And, and Jesus is a shepherd who died to, to fend off a vicious attack directed at us from the devil. Verse 27 of John 10 says, The, the good shepherd knows his sheep, and the sheep know him. One translation says, My sheep know my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
What's that implying there? That there is a close relationship between the, the sheep and the shepherd. Going back to, to First Peter we looked at last week. Remember we had that phrase two different times. Shepherd or bishop among them. I mean, there's interaction. A shepherd can't watch a flock if he's not near the flock. He can't be what he needs to be. He can't be the example. He can't be the good influence. He can't be the protector. He can't be the provider. He can't be the guider if he's not nearby. You know, um, uh, a shepherd that doesn't enjoy being around sheep is not going to be very effective, is it? So we understand that a sheep needs to be guided by a person who likes sheep. A Christian needs to be guided and encouraged by somebody who likes Christians, who loves Christians, who loves God's family. Last week, you remember, we, we looked at some of those characteristics of, of those who would serve us as elders, 1 Timothy 3, Titus chapter 1. Let me just mention this to you again. So many of those qualities are connected with how we are connected with each other. Uh, people skills, uh, good behavior with people, right. hospitable with people, toward people, gentle toward people, not quarrelsome, with people. Rules house well. Who's in the house? People. His children are in subjection. Who are children? They're little, little people and they can become bigger people. Uh, take care of the church. Who's in the church? People. He used to have a good testimony of those who are outside the church. Who's outside the church? People. So again, Elder must be a man of God first. We all need to be men, women, boys, and girls of God first. But second, elder and all of us must be men, women, boys, and girls of people. I mean, man of God, man of the sheep. Those are the kind of names. Those are the kind of men who, who we have in this church. And we need to, to encourage them to step up and, and serve us in a more official capacity as elders. It seems to me a lot of people are already doing a lot of shepherding without the title, but it helps to associate the title. So, so we, can, we can have men who kind of buck stops here. You know, they're, they're willing to, to, to lose some sleep, shed some extra tears, have a few extra meetings because they have a passion for the sheep. It's not a high-paying job in this life, but there's a double honor that's coming for faithful elders one day. Think about this for a moment. You remember when that lawyer came to Jesus in Matthew 22, 36 and follows one place. He comes to Jesus asking him one question. What is the greatest commandment? What's the greatest command? See, the way they counted them up, there's about 613 commands of the old law. And so he's asking Jesus, kind of a trick question maybe, which of the 613 is number one? Y'all remember Jesus told him, number one is love God. But why did he double answer the question? Why did he double up on it and go ahead and say, but before you walk off, by the way, number two is love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he elevated that command later to say, love your neighbor as I have loved you. Again, that's a, to die. That's a shepherd willing to die who actually did die for the sheep. So why did he 
tell, and see that lawyer, he's one of the leaders. He's one of the spirit, he's one of the, the guys in the community you look up to. He's a he's a fella who who supposedly knows God, knows the way to God, knows all the laws. Not a typical lawyer like today necessarily, although there's some great lawyers today who love God, but that kind of lawyer was someone who specialized in the laws of God. And so why is Jesus directing that lawyer to, oh, by the way, love people too? Because the, the leaders back in those days, they were kind of notorious for, for, yeah, trying to love God and value God and honor God, but they didn't make the connection between loving and honoring God and, and loving and, and helping those that God has made. How can we love God and not love his creation? How can we love Jesus and not the one he, ones he died for? How can we take the shepherd and neglect the flock? That's an impossibility. Those don't harmonize, right? So, people. People matter. Loving God matters most, but loving God is going to manifest itself in our love for people, our treatment of people, our prayers for people, our tears for people, our efforts to restore people straying sheep that maybe even during time of pandemic have moved away. Um, the first century religious leaders were big on doctrine. What is, what's the law? What's the truth here? And that matters. That matters big time. But Jesus says love matters most. And, and you understand that, that as, as we heard referenced earlier, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, not if you wear a pretty suit, not if you know the book, but if you love one another, or by how you love one another. And, and when, when we really love each other, doesn't that take care of doctrine? If you love somebody, aren't you going to be determined to open the book of doctrine, the book of teaching, the Bible, and see what it says, and share it as accurately as possible to that person you love? Love takes care of false teaching. You can't have love for a person and then teach them a path that doesn't lead to heaven. And so we love God as a good leader. And we love people. We love the sheep. That's what good leaders, that's what shepherds do. So when you're thinking about names to write down, and again, you're not obligated to write down any names. But write down, if you do, write down names of people that love God and that love people. Write down those who can be shepherds that will enjoy being around the sheep. Christ said we can know each other by love. We can know who will be the most effective elders by the love that we see that they have for each of us and for the Father. And it's an all of the sheep kind of thing. No, no clicks, no circle of favorites, no excluding others. Remember Acts 20, 28 talks about how these bishops there, these elders from Ephesus, they oversaw all the flock. No exceptions to that. Uh, Will and uh, Thad and I frequently talk about the fringe families. Those that, those that might be, be in trouble some way. What, what can we do? What can we say? What can we pray? To, to encourage them. You know what that means? That means that sometimes a 99 healthy, robust sheep, like all of you, might be neglected. You might not get a call. You might not get a visit. You might not get the that you deserve, and then some. Because there's, a, there's one sheep or a family of sheep out there that, that, that priority, because if something doesn't change, 
they're going to have a problem with God one day. And, and, and it, we're people, people. And we've got to care about them. And we've got to do what we can to, no, no exceptions. Um, one other thing, and I'll close this up. But th these Ephesian elders were extra impressive to me, too. Whenever Paul is, is leaving them, they, they start crying. What does I tell you about good elders? That uh, they can have hearts that can still be touched, that can still be broken at times. That's verse 37 of Acts 20. Uh, how, how can you follow a hard-hearted person? How can you listen to a hard-hearted preacher? Uh, I mentioned earlier, I've got my share of imperfections, as y'all know. But one of them is not that you have to listen to a hard-hearted person. Uh, I got tender too much, maybe. Maybe I can share some of mine with some of you. I'm not trying to be dramatic, I promise you that. But this matters that we care about people, especially people that think nobody cares about them. They may have moved away from God, and we got to go get those sheep. We want the shepherds who will go get them, but let's go get them too. Let's all sign up for that job. I don't think we'll regret that. And if we were out there, wouldn't we want somebody to come and get us or try? I think we would. So let us be known by our love. For one another, a visible, uh, demonstrable love every day for one another, all flowing out of our love for God and God's love for us. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for your family, for the sheep that are part of the Tuscumbia congregation. Help us, Father, to all be leaders. Help us to step up, not step away. Help us to do what's inconvenient, get out of our comfort zones, and, and go in search of those who need loving, who need restoring, who need, who need some good news, who need to know that uh, there's a way home. Father, help us to be involved in, in meaningful, positive ways in the process by which we're searching for additional men to help our present shepherds, our present elders. Thank you for these men, their families. They've got great families, great wives, and we're so honored to, to follow their direction as they follow you, the great shepherd. But help us, Father, to, to get them some assistance. Help us to reinforce them by our prayers, by our encouragement, but hopefully by some manpower. Help us, Father, to take this, this privilege seriously, to work with the Holy Spirit, following his instructions in the Word, and find us some folks who can help us um, come out of this time of pandemic spiritually stronger than ever before. Thank you again, God, for the good news we've had today, celebrating the wonderful baptism of our new sister, Emily. If there are others that need to do as she has done, we pray that will happen this morning. If there are those who need to seek prayers of the family today, we also pray that that will happen. We love you, God. Thank you for giving us Jesus, our great shepherd. In Christ Jesus, the shepherd, we pray. Amen. If we can help you, would you come, please, while we stand and sing?